You're listening to Women on the Edge. In a two-part episode, we'll feature two stories that show the incredible impact and influence of music with health and vice versa, the highs and the letdowns. On part one, we'll be joined by three-time ARIA Award nominee and Queensland's very own Danny Whittycomb to talk about what it's like to be a full-time musician and the struggles of relying on this industry when suddenly faced with tough realities such as a life-threatening illness. The love and hate relationship of music and health on Z Digital. Sometimes looking at the heart of a matter's like a neon sign. This is a co-production of 4ZZZ and Radio 4EB. I remember a time truth had arrived, my friend The look in your eyes couldn't disguise the end Some of the leaves from our colorful trees turned brown The season of love had changed, now you were be found Oh Come back to my love Oh Come back to my love Words that you said Yeah, they filled me with dread at first Chicago is a fact
Women on the Edge here on Z Digital. I'm Celeste McIntosh. Today we are joined by three-time Aria nominee and Queensland Music Award winner Danny Whittacombe, a guitar virtuoso, songwriter, storyteller and musical director himself. He has performed alongside other Aussie music greats such as Bernard Fanning of Powderfinger and country star Shane Nicholson. We'll take a closer look at his life and the years he has devoted to making music. But how much has this industry given back to him, especially during those years of having to deal with cancer? Welcome to the show, Danny. Oh, thanks, Celeste. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So the song we just played is by the Wilson Pickers, yes. which, uh, which you are a member of. You've had a very busy year just coming back from the US, doing tours around the country and playing with Bernard Fanning just quite recently. It's been a big year, actually. Lots of um, Wilson Pickers stuff, um, playing at Splendor and Bluesgrass, a Blues Fest, um, and lots of other festivals. Port Ferry down in Victoria, which is an amazing festival. Um, I've been learning, I actually started learning pedal steel in January. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, um, I was saying, because I just played it with Bernard Fanning at the Triffid. Okay. And I said to him, it's actually like doing a maths exam on stage <laughs> in public with people watching you. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> it's so difficult. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just started in January. Oh, okay. Yeah, just after Tamworth. And oh. uh, I borrowed one. Um, I've always wanted to play it. Fantastic. Yeah, okay. the, the difficult thing is, you know, it's got knee levers and pedals. So it's not just sliding a slide around on frets. Right. You've also got to change the pictures with your knees and your feet. Right. So, okay. yeah, it's like flying a plane, doing a maths exam. Yeah, it's, it's serious it's, coordination it's required. really, yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> so that's been a lot of fun. Um, and, I, yeah, I played guitar with Shane Nicholson in, in Nashville this year. I went and saw the total solar eclipse oh, over Nashville. Oh, you're one of those chasers, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, eclipse chaser. Okay. Had a great time. I played with a band in Cuba. Fantastic. Oh, oh my, okay. That was just the best. That was so good. Okay. So you've been a professional musician for, for quite some time. When did you start playing the guitar? Oh, well, I first started when I was 12. Okay. Yeah, there was a guitar that my dad just had in a case. He doesn't play. Okay. But he just bought it because he thought it might be useful for something down the down the track. Oh boy, was that useful for you? <laughs> well, it was, yeah. And, and I just I was so desperate to play guitar. I took it out of its case and tried to work out some Johnny like um, Chuck mm. Berry stuff, like Johnny oh, nice. Good or whatever. Okay. Um, and then of course, you know, trying to play along to the Beatles records that I that I loved of my parents' collection. Um, and so I just had heaps of lessons uh, during the beginning stages, the formative years in high school. And took it from there. I was obsessed. It's just what I wanted to do. I just loved it. And my dad actually worked in the record industry. He worked for a record company. Okay. So I got to meet all these big famous stars and I got to see music from the other side, not just being a fan. I saw the industry workings, the machinations from from the other side and of the that, fence. And that does help. You get mentorship from 
from people that your father worked with. Yeah, yeah you get a different angle than mm. most people get, you know, mm. like to one of my heroes was Robert Cray, their, their blues guitar player. And I got to meet him and hang out with him at a very young age. And so I just saw he was just a normal human being. And I lost that sort of fan idol, you know, mm. the, when you idol someone. Right. I lost all that and just saw that they're just normal people that practice a lot. So that's just what I tried to do. Okay. Well, when did you decide to do this full time? Not till I um, not till I was about twenty nine, thirty. Okay. Yeah, after I had a bone marrow transplant. Right. That's when I was like, right, I'm taking this seriously. I'm quitting any sort of job that I have, hmm. and I'm making a solo album. I'm going to put it out, and I'm going to I'm going to do this for real. All right. Did you mm. have any plans on how your career was going to go? No. No. Not at all. Uh, just like any other artist, I suppose. It's just everything just pretty much yeah. happens organically. Yeah, you just you just have to just work really hard at it. That's basically it. I had I just knew that I wanted to make music that I liked to listen right. to. Yeah. So you you do bluegrass, country. I understand you do some jazz as well. So oh, I love so many styles mm. of music. You mm. know. I used to make electronic music. I won a Triple J remix competition once. Oh, is that right? Years okay. ago, yeah. And uh, I like ambient music. I love Brian Eno's mm. stuff. I like the Next, the jazz band that improvise. And uh, I, I just, I, I like lots of things. And I just play whatever I can to make a living, you know. But um, but that sort of, that sit around the campfire sort of mm. uh, singing songs with people is something that I love as well and that's mm. how my band the Wilson Pickers started. Well as many of you may know the Wilson Pickers was nominated for another ARIA award earlier this year but it hasn't always been a walk in the park. Later on Danny will tell us of the time when his life took a sudden turn and how he and his family dealt with his battle with cancer for many years. An insight into how vulnerable musicians and creative professionals are when faced with serious illness and injury. You're on Women on the Edge. Do you have a disability? Do you love radio and have a passion you'd like to tell people about? Community Radio 4ZZZ holds monthly radio groups with people with a disability in the community. If you live on the north side, you can join our group at the Nunda Activity Centre and on the south side, we're at the West End Community House. Check out the website of the Ability Radio Project to find out more. That's abilityradioproject.wordpress.com The Ability Radio Project is a project of Community Radio 4ZZZ. You're listening to Women on the Edge here on Z Digital with Celeste McIntosh. We continue our chat with Danny Whittacombe of the bands Wilson Pickers and the Honey Sliders. So, Danny, it's known within the Brisbane music scene that you have had a long on and off battle with a life-threatening disease. So, well, first of all, how are you feeling? How's your health? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm all good now. I've, got, I've been given the all clear. Okay, that's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You, you, want, you want to talk to us about that episode in your life. I understand you've had uh, an episode with uh, leukemia. Yeah, and I've had three. Okay, and, uh, all it, three. The first okay. one was uh, when I was 19, 
and um, yeah, I was just sort of getting my life together. You know, 19 is so young, but when you yes. are 19, you don't think you're young. Right. And I was saving up to go to Spain. I wanted mm. to see the world. Uh, I had two jobs, living in Melbourne, working at an amazing record shop called Gaslight Records. It was so cool. Um, and then struck down with this disease, mm. and I didn't even know what it was at mm. the time. So that was my first bout with chemo. Um, and halted my plans to go to Spain. <laughs> so far out, damn it. Um, mm. So then life continued. I ended up moving to Sydney, uh, met my wife, had a child, um, having a great life in Sydney, working a full-time job, just playing music on the side. Mm. Um, and then it looked like my leukaemia was actually coming back quite aggressively. Mm. So they said, you need to have a bone marrow transplant. So that's why I moved to Brisbane. Um, because they have the best record of mm. bone marrow transplants in Australia. So uh, so a little family moved to Brisbane and then had to have a bone marrow transplant, which was just a massive ordeal. Um, so then that's another whole story, you know, mm. that the bone marrow transplant's huge. Mm. Um, but obviously survived. Mm. And that's when I made my first album recovering from that and decided that's it now, I'm just going to play music because life's too short. Um and then it came back again when I thought I'd, I'd beaten it for good. It came back seven years later. So that was the third episode. And that was definitely Where, where the were worst. you then? I was actually um, travelling. I just won the Grant McLennan Fellowship. So the Queensland Government paid for me and my friend Andrew from the Wilson Pickers to go and base ourselves in Berlin and represent Queensland and write songs. And um, I was becoming really, I think I was yellow <laughs> and... We thought maybe I've just drunk too much beer or something. Okay. Uh, we didn't know what was wrong with me. I mm. um, really struggled to get through that tour and went through Amsterdam and went to Belgium as well. And when I was in London, it was just, it was obvious that I had to stop traveling and just go to hospital. Okay. How old were you then? Uh, the I, second think, episode? I think I was uh, 35 or something okay. like that. All right. I actually don't know. Mm. Um, but I... I was still quite immature. Hmm. And and so then I got shipped back to Brisbane. Um, and so, again, that was my second time I wanted to go to Spain, totally dashed. Um, so, yeah, back to Brisbane for more chemo. So that they were the three episodes. Um, and so now I've just been given the all clear and I'm off all the medication and everything. So I've just been so lucky. Mm. Yeah, well, I suppose that's the other side of uh, being a full-time musician. It's not all roses and, and daisies, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I, you know, I personally know a few artists and musicians who actually had to deal with a serious disease as well. And of course, they realize that not only do they have to, to look for resources to pay for mounting hospital costs, but of course, well, having to look for alternatives to um, pay for other bills because, you know, they can't mm. work. And I know consumers like me, music consumers like me, contribute to this kind of challenge that artists face. And I believe there's a false expectation on creative professionals and the way the industry works or doesn't work for you in some cases. It could be a hard life, is it? Especially if you're a full-time musician and mm. you rely on this industry and you get faced with a, with a health problem. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah there's, no, there's no safety net for, uh, for being any sort of artist, really. Um, <clears throat> There's no, there's well, there's hardly any superannuation. Yeah. The, I mean, that's a, there's a whole topic that could we could discuss about this. Right. How do you set yourself up as a musician to make sure that you and your family are safe financially, but still keep enough money aside to try and pay for mm. groceries every week and right. all the bills that come along? 
So when when I was struck down in 2011 um, and had to be rushed back to Brisbane from London, Mm. we really were thinking, how are we going to survive? My wife does work, of course. Uh, We both work. But um, now that my music income had completely dried up because I was in hospital, we didn't know how we were going to survive and get through. So it was it's a really tough period it it really adds to the pressure of actually trying to battle a health problem as well we'll continue our chat with danny and learn about this organization called sport act and how it saved danny's life for now here's a track from danny's own album find someone you're on z digital
listening to Women on the Edge on ZZ Digital. Digital. Through It All by the Wilson Pickers and before that was Finding Someone from Danny's own album. You're on Women on the Edge with Celeste McIntosh and we're speaking with Danny about his battle with leukemia and the struggles that his family went through during those times. Well, I didn't know that there were three episodes of, of leukemia. So Danny, you were in Berlin when you had the relapse in the middle of the tour. Is that right? Yeah, that was the, uh, that was the third episode that I'd had, yeah. And then you had to be rushed back to Brisbane, is that yes. right? Yeah, yeah. And in that period, you came across the organization named Support Act. 
So if you're a musician listening at home, you certainly need to know about this organization. They are a registered charity organization in Australia that helps artists and music professionals who are facing hardships caused by illness, could be mental health problems, injury, and other crises that, of course, prevents you from from uh, working and uh, making a livelihood. So, Danny, tell us about Support Act, what you know of, of the work that they do and what they have done for you. Well, I remember laying in the hospital bed and uh, just facing the fact that uh, we couldn't afford the next rates bill. Uh, the electricity bill had just come. Um, I'd just been given probably the worst diagnosis that you could imagine. It was crushing for all of us. We're about to have the lawyer come in and redo our wills. I mean, it was a really hard time. My wife's there. My two kids are there. Um, and then my friend Carl Brody, who's unfortunately no longer with us, he was a great singer-songwriter based in Sydney. He said to me, oh, mate, and he's Scottish and I can't do a Scottish accent, but he said, <laughs> oh, mate, you've got to go and call Support Act. And he said, I can even help you out, but they're like a safety net for musicians and I didn't know they existed. Hmm. So um, it turns out that the ex-drummer from the go-betweens, Lindy Morrison, mm-hmm. who's a massive personality in the music industry, she is the artist liaison with Support Act. And so next thing we know, my wife's on the phone to Lindy Morrison and then she passes it to me. I had to explain my history in the music industry and what a fan of the go-betweens I was as well. Um, and then she said, yeah, we can help you. And the next thing we know, they've really lightened the load and not just financially, but emotionally as well, because mm. then we were able to just focus on the task at hand mm. and not have to worry so much about the actual bills mm-hmm. and the financial troubles that we faced ourselves with. Um, so they help, they've helped since, um, helping us, I've actually pushed other friends towards them as well that have been through difficulties and they've helped each friend of mine that I've told them about it as well. So they're an amazing institution and uh, it's all tax-free donations if you want to donate to them. They have concerts as fundraisers as well. Jimmy Barnes is one of their biggest spokespeople. Mm, um, okay. Yeah, I've played at charity events for them. And it's quite interesting because I ended up playing with the go-betweens because of my relationship with Lindy as well. Oh, okay. So yeah, right. so we, we just played at um, QPAC a few months ago. Oh, yes. I, I saw that online. Yeah, yeah, and then we're going to be playing at the Sydney Festival in 2018. So it's amazing, you know, the, the relationships you can build through these philanthropic um, organisations and just what a powerhouse of a personality Lindy Morrison is as well. Mm. Um, without Support Act, I don't know how we would have got through. I don't know how we would have yeah. paid any of those bills. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it really was a complete lifeline for us. If you want to know more about Support Act and if you need help, you can check or visit their website on uh, supportact.org.au. We'll be back after a few messages. The Brisbane Domestic Violence Service is a free and confidential service for people in the Brisbane metropolitan area who are affected by domestic violence. The service supports all family members, same-sex couples and others. They provide a range of services including information and referral, crisis support, practical assistance, advocacy, counselling and emotional support whether over the phone, online or by visiting in the home or at a safe place in the community. 
For more information, please call during business hours on 3217-2544 or visit www.bdvs.org.au. that digital.
No One Else Right There by Danny Widdicombe from his self-titled album, certainly one of my favorites. And before that was Everything's Been Done. Um, yeah. Those are pretty formidable tracks that you have in your portfolio. You want to tell us about um, what those songs are about? Well, Everything's Been Done was uh, sitting around in Berlin with a glass of wine, right? coming up with those lyrics, uh, feeling very sentimental. Because uh, well, it's true, you know, like pretty much everything has been done. Hmm. We just have to find a new way to express ourselves within that uh, paradigm of everything's been done. Hmm. Um, but uh, it's quite interesting, the, uh, the fiddle and the vocals from that were actually recorded in a hmm. radiation suite. Is that right? Yeah, in hospital. Okay. Yeah, yeah while I was having chemo. I, I went to the nurses and I said, can we please book out radiation suite number one? And they thought I was joking. It sounds like a roadshow, radiation yeah. suite. <laughs> so, you know, this is a room lead-lined where you'd normally sit there and have radiation and it's a horrible experience. But um, we turned it into a positive and they let me have the room. So I had um, Luke Moller come in and play fiddle. Um, ben Salter came and sang um, back BVs. I, uh, I did some vocals myself and it was great. And so it was actually interesting that, that other patients on the ward at the Royal Brisbane Hospital would come and gather and try and look through the window and go, what the hell is he doing? It's not a radiation room anymore, it's a recording studio. 
and we got quite a lot of work done and that's actually how we finished this album find someone was by recording the rest of it yeah in in hospital so it actually made it made hospital fun okay (laughs) there you go (laughs) proves that nothing should ever stop you if you really are committed to making music yeah just previously, we were talking about um, Danny Widdicombe's relationship with Support Act and what they have done to help him out deal with uh, with leukemia. And again, if you are uh, interested to find out more, you can just check their website. If you're dealing with, um, if you need financial assistance to help you deal with uh, health issues that prevent you from working, um, Support Act can help you. Mm. So what's the, the usual process if somebody needs to get an immediate assistance? Do they email um, a specific person? Totally. You can yeah, yeah. you can just go to their website and mm. there's a contact form there mm. and just email them. They'll be back to you that day. Oh, yeah. Is there anything they need to present? Well, uh, there is. I mean, there's some documents as in they need to just find out about you right. and know who you are. You have to have been involved in the music industry for 10 years or more. Um, but, you know, the most of my friends have been um and uh they just want to get to know your situation so they know how best to help you Mm. but then once you've done that then they come and lighten the load it's amazing and and just seriously like a great stroke of luck that my friend carl called me letting me know about this as well so i really feel like um it's a good thing to do to spread the word and let musicians know that if they do fall on hard times Support Act is there for them. All right. If you also wanted to donate and uh, if you don't necessarily need help, but you want to to, to help the cause, uh, help out musicians go through some tough times in their lives, again, you can, you can find out on, on Support Act website. We'll be back after a few messages. Set Digital Brisbane's Independent Community Radio. I came to Support Act for help because I could see myself sliding down the scale of nothing. From the minute Support Act stepped in and started batting for us, we had someone on our side working for us and caring about us. And all of a sudden, I had some hope. What is this? There needs to be someone like Support Act that, that people can, can turn to in, in times of crisis because there is nobody else. There is no other, there's no one else. And what Support Act did for us was not only provide a huge lifeline that pulled us from the absolute brink of the abyss. They actually gave us financial assistance with the important stuff like rates bills. And that is a huge, huge gift to give people. I think Support Act is invaluable. I wouldn't be talking to you. It's hard to come to terms with the fact that you, A, you need help, and then it's difficult to get your head into a state where you are willing to admit to yourself that, no, you needn't feel like a total bloody failure, which is what you do feel like. You feel like you've let everybody down, you've let yourself down. I know from my experience um, of falling down some massive gaping abysses in my time as a musician through my problems with health, having support actors actually literally saved my family. Yeah, it's dangerous out there for musicians, for performers of all sorts and all the, for artists of all sorts. It's, you know, it's very rocky and uncertain and treacherous. But I got to a point where I was actually, to be honest, quite suicidal because you get 
to such a desperate point where you lose hope. There's no sick pay, there's no holiday pay. If something happens, you're um, kind of screwed. And I only hope that people, when they see this, will understand how good the uh, Support Act has been and donate to the Support Act. In a way, they give you your dignity back and Support Act were our angels. Spoken by Carol Lloyd, Danny Whittacombe, Andy McDonnell and Noel Jefferson for Support Act. To find out more about how to access help as an artist or music worker, or how you can support their work, visit www.supportact.org.au. You're listening to Women on the Edge here on Z Digital with Celeste McIntosh. Danny, I understand you're doing your bit and paying it forward to other musicians, and you are the founder of Brisbane's most inclusive and most followed open mic night called The Campfire Sessions. Can you tell us about that, how it came about? How yeah, did you... um, it's been a wonderful thing. Mm. I can't believe how many people I've mm. met and the friendships that we've made. Mm. Um, I was in Paris with my wife and I actually went to an open mic night that I'd heard about through a friend of mine and I just thought there's nothing like this in Brisbane where it's so inclusive um, and I was made to feel so welcome even though I was a complete outsider. I didn't know one person in this Paris open mic. So um, I was sick again. This time I had shingles and I was on steroids and... Um, and lots of painkillers and again I was facing the prospect of not being able to sing because mm. I was losing my voice from, yeah. from being ill um, so I needed to come up with some other way of um, earning some money but also uh, providing giving something back to a community so I decided to do something similar to the, the Paris open mic and I found a venue um, I started making the posters um, putting the word out and it's become this juggernaut of an open mic night. Some nights we have over 30 acts playing, which is just incredible. That's like six yes, hours I know. of open mic. <laughs> you know, it's given birth to a lot of uh, local musicians, and uh, I'm quite impressed how there's just a lot of uh, very talented female solo musicians mm. in Brisbane. I mean, that's, when I'm, that's where I met Dana Gurman yeah. and uh, Emma Bow. Yeah. Um, and uh, Ruby. Ruby Gu Gilbert. Ruby Gilbert, that's yeah. right. Playing music in general, especially if you're putting yourself out there on a recorded format as well, you're putting yourself up for a massive load of rejection. That's so, true, isn't you know, it? And, and, and that, that exists in any art form. And what I really love about this particular open mic is that there's no derogatory comments Everyone's made to feel as though they're welcome. That's right. It doesn't matter if you're a pro or a complete amateur mm. or you think that you're just hopeless and not good enough. There's always something that is positive about someone's performance. Mm. Um, and so I think it gives the night a really special sheen to it. Right. Um, and, and everyone is made to feel completely welcome. So that's, that's really what I love about the community that we have.
That's right. And you've started doing some shows with them as well. And there was one that you, mm. you've done recently. Well, not so recent, but a few months ago in, in Ashgrove, in a bar in Ashgrove, you did a, a oh, show yeah. with some of uh, the yeah. highlights of the, the campfire sessions. How easy was that to be working with all those fantastic musicians from your... It just sort of came your... together. It was, it was an idea because um, I was speaking to the owner of that bar and he just said, oh, look, I've got nothing on that particular night. You know, can you think of anything? I was like, well, I'll just get some of my mates from Campfire to come and play. And it was it was as easy as that. And as soon as I asked them, everyone said yes. And um, and, and I just played a short set as well. But what a, it was a great night. And I think I'll keep doing that as well. And just you, and keep going, you know, you, um, displaying the amazing talent from some of the other uh, musicians that come through Campfire as well. How does it feel being an influence like that uh, to um, some budding musicians here in Brisbane? Uh, I, I don't know how much of an influence I am on people. Uh, it's it's more just like I'm just trying to give as mm. much as I can mm. because I know what it's like to be starting out and feeling like the whole world's against you. Mm. So I just I feel like um, I know that I can give them that sort of uh, security in themselves to think, well, it's okay. What I'm doing is okay, and I can enjoy music, which yeah. is what it's all about, That's isn't right. it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm always happy to play guitar with people at the campfire sessions. And and if anyone um, has any questions about anything that I've done that I have experience with in the industry, then I'm always happy to share my experience um, as opposed to, you know, being trying to make money out of you by selling my ideas and mm. selling my um you know creative knowledge as well that's right mm. we got a couple of tracks here from some of the the campfire artists we got dana german from her album under the wire you're on women on the edge with celeste mcintosh on Z digital Stars shining 
listening to Z Digital.
That was Emma Bow with Leave Your Light On, and before that was Dana German with Under the Wire. Both are regulars of the campfire session started by Danny Whittacombe. You're still on Women on the Edge with Celeste McIntosh. So Danny, I understand you manage other musicians now and produce shows as well. In fact, we went to the Beatles tribute that you did with the Honey Sliders a few months back, which was absolutely phenomenal, by the way. Where do you get the energy? So how do you manage all that, managing songwriting and touring? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, my kids are a bit older now, mm. so mm. I think I don't think I have to spend as, quite as much energy on my children, uh, which leaves a lot more energy for, for music projects. Um, I really enjoy putting shows on. My band and I have been doing one of our favourite albums every year as a, as a live production. Um, albums like Abbey Road by The Beatles, The Last Waltz by The Band, mm. On the Beach by Neil Young and others. Um, and it's just been such an amazing reaction from people when you try and learn these albums note for note. And they turn up expecting to hear some sort of rendition, but they get the actual album played with passion. Right. You know, <laughs> and sincerity. And it's just, it's been amazing. So that's been good. And also being part of the go-betweens, now they're playing that album, 16 Lovers Lane again. And um, I mean, I just love music. And I think, you know, most people that do what they love um, have no end to the amount of energy they can put into these, into their projects. Mm. So... So I just go as hard as I can, basically. Danny Whittacombe, everyone, giving us an insight into his life as a musician, as a cancer survivor, and the support system that musicians can count on. Thank you very much for taking the time, Danny. Do you think you can indulge us with some live performance? I can see that you brought your guitar with you. Yeah, I did. I did. I can do a little instrumental or something, if you like. Oh, fantastic. Oh, no, absolutely. That'll be... That'll be quite a treat. But before we go, I just want to ask you one more thing. What more do you think we can do to help more of the musicians and other creative professionals? What more can be done to improve uh, the way that uh, we do business in, in the music industry? Well, I think firstly, it's important to make people feel like it's okay to be doing this mm. and you are worth something. And uh, the day-to-day struggles that artists have, all artists have, uh, which is... Am I significant? Am I making a contribution? Is what I'm doing worthwhile? Trying to let people know that yes, it's worthwhile. Everything you do counts and you are appreciated. Um, there's so many mental health issues that, are, that surround the arts. So I think that's really important to get that message out there and to have basically as much positivity that you're giving people as you can. So not, not using your time on social media to put other people down, obviously just trying to keep things as positive as you can. I think um, from a government perspective, it'd be great if there, musically, it'd be, be great if there was legislation to have more local content on, on radio, especially commercial radio. Hmm, um, that would really help hmm. because no one buys albums anymore. Hmm. Um, so that would be a whole new income stream for a lot of artists that don't currently get played on radio. Also, um, any legislation that could be passed to make it easier for venues to open uh, for liquor licensing laws, uh, for things like lockout laws, um, ID scanning. I think that all needs to be looked at from a musical perspective to um, to give musicians as much work as they can get um, around Brisbane. I work prim- primarily in music, so that's basically all, all I can really comment on. Mm. 
but um, I think from a, from an artist's perspective, keeping positive, feeling like you are needed and that you are an integral part of something uh, and also being positive to others from a, from a government perspective, I think we might need a little bit more legislation to help us try and earn a living in this new landscape that is the digital domain of music. Um, and as far as being a punter is concerned, um, get out there and support live music. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, if, the, if they do have products, T-shirts, tea towels, um, CDs, whatever, buy, buy it. Yeah. You know, because it really does help. Um, and then there's more culture and more diversity in our right. community. I think it's really important. Thank you very much, Danny Whittacombe, for joining us today. And thank you, everyone, for listening. For part two of our Music and Health episode, we speak with Peter Breen, founder of Stairwell Project, Music and Hospitals, and about their campaign to elevate the role of musicians in the health sector. This is Celeste McIntosh. Until next time, we'll leave you with a live performance from Danny Whittacombe himself. Take care, everyone. produced as part of the Women on the Edge Community Radio Training Group at the Edge State Library of Queensland. It was funded by the Community Broadcasting Foundation and supported by Radio 4EB and 4ZZZ.